be the same family. Just when I thought I was out, they pulled me back in. You're listening to Wild Dogs. No, you haven't traveled back in time. It is not 2008. But I was talking to Joe today to see what we were going to do for the show. And with Legion being literally on our doorstep, I thought it'd be a good time to really dive into it with spoilers. Spoiling all the motherfuckers. And of course, Joe was saying, Wild Dogs. (laughs) It'll be like Wild Dogs all over again. And... What some people don't know is, if they haven't listened to old episodes, is that's how Joe and I first met. We kind of knew more of each other, not so much each other through kind of like Twitter. Kind of like interactions on Twitter. Yeah. yeah, and even then, not all that that much. And then it was an episode that I did in uh, July of 2009 was the episode that you start on. That was episode 24. I was getting mm-hmm. close to the end there. And and that was that first spark of interest that that conversation could, that could last for hours. And so I thought, you know what, let's just have a little fun with the intro with that. Now then we are going to be spoiling. So seriously, spoiling pre stuff, spoiling what you can expect from Legion, all kinds of stuff. So if you have not done the pre stuff, stop listening. If you're not interested in any kind of spoilers later on, stop listening. Well, I haven't played in the beta, so I don't have, a ton to go off of with the new stuff, but obviously you have. You can be careful with what we spoil, but you've been forewarned. So the important place to start, obviously, is what we've been doing now in preparation for this. There was not just the Demon Hunter area that opened up, but there was also that very short event. <laughs> very fucking short. <laughs> I just did it today, finally. I'd actually been putting it off, and then I was wondering, oh, great, is that going to be around? tomorrow and you you were saying yeah but i figured okay i'll get it done anyways at least for this for this episode and it was like boom done and i was are you fucking kidding me like i said half half hour 45 minutes just to get through the broken shore and the the little tiny bit afterwards we'll get into that in a little bit and then there are of course the invasions that have been happening as well and then we're gonna like i said touch on what we can expect going forward with legion starting tomorrow let's start with the invasion stuff now when this was first announced I had said I what I thought was going to happen with this mm-hmm. and that it would be the laziest way for them to just kind of keep people busy. And as it turns out, also to help them level to 100. So I'll give them that. Yeah, it's a lot better way than grinding dungeons or quests if you're in a rush. Yeah, but uh, but it's exactly what I thought it would be. And I tired of it super fast. And if you are not 100 and, and I'll go you one further in a group with a healer. You're going to die, and you're going to die a lot, and you're going to be spending a lot of money on repairs. Especially if you're a melee. Oh, God, yeah. And so a lot of people started doing what I was doing to level, and what most people were doing, is just flying in the air, gathering the experience, gathering the chests, and then just taking off to the next one. Because the difference in experience was fairly negligible. So I, I don't know what... I know you were saying that you liked it a lot better in beta because there was more diversity. But that's yeah, so not what we got. Here's the weird thing. And, I, and I, I don't know if they scaled this back because they were worried about load. I haven't got I've asked a couple questions and I haven't gotten an answer. 
Um, I have a sneaking suspicion it had something to do with that. Um, but in the beta, the events were random. It wasn't the same six spots over and over and over again. And it wasn't, it, it did start at two invasions at a time, then it did ramp up to three, four, five, and six. So that part was was accurate, but it happened in all zones. And it wasn't just, you know, where we are, where I'm, it wasn't just Kalimdor, it wasn't just the Eastern Kingdoms. It was sometimes happening in Mist. It was sometimes happening really? in Northrend. Oh, so it was. It was. You looked at your map, and that's where you had to go. Now I have a feeling there were a couple things that they wanted to do with it, because originally the XP that you gained from it was minimal on the beta. So I'm guessing they ramped it up, and I guess that the cha- the the plan for it partially changed. And somebody said we can use this as a catch up mechanic, and if we use it as a catch up mechanic for those players that are coming back that are maybe. 30, 40, 50, 60, they haven't been to Northrend. They haven't been through Cataclysm. They don't have flying. These are areas that they can't really get to, and it will make it really inconvenient for them. So I have a feeling they pared it down partially because of that. Well, it makes um, sense, too, if you look at where they are. They're mm-hmm. literally in the same spot for Alliance versus Horde, or your Crossroads versus um, Dwarf gnome spot there. What the hell yeah, is it two, called? Yeah, two, two per faction, uh, two each faction, and then two uh, neutral. Get, yeah, so it, it, it makes sense. Yeah. I, I didn't like it, but it makes sense in terms of using it as a, like you said, catch-up mechanic. Right, and that and that's what it is. Like I understand that that's what it wound up turning into. So I'm not gonna I'm not gonna bemoan it too much. Did it have better potential for story and coolness? Yes. Did it serve its intended purpose? Yes. Uh, yeah, it's questionable. I, as far as getting people geared up and ready to go, like hitting an eye level 700 is stupidly easy with it. Let me ask you this, actually. Sure. What are the eye levels of the, the, the rewards from the starting quest in Legion? Uh, you're going to be getting like 715 stuff. But the the difference is Legion is tuned for players that are not just freshly dinged 100. At least in my experience in the beta. I don't know if they changed that. But when I when you originally went to the beta before they did character copies, you copied over essentially what was a fresh boosted 100. Killing things was a pain in the goddamn dick. It was you were squishy. Your stats were all skewed and, and, and jacked up. And it was really difficult if you were a fresh 100. That was a big amount of feedback that they got on the forum. So I have a sneaking suspicion that the gearing because you were at 680 in the beta. I'm guessing that that 20 eye level difference was specifically to help ease the transition into Legion. Right. Especially because one of the one of the the harder things too and we'll talk about this a little bit more when we talk about artifacts is some of the artifact quests are tuned for 700 eye level, especially if you're a healer. The shaman healing one was a joke when I went through it on, you know, regular loader, my real loader. When I ran it with the boosted loader, it, it was I had to restart it like two or three times. There were parts that were absolutely ridiculous to get through because the gear that I had wasn't wasn't optimal, and the encounters that they were giving you needed you to have optimal gear. And so I think they did some tuning and pared back the the events a little bit and decided, yeah, I level seven hundred seems pretty reasonable. That's really easy to get to for most players that you know have played through Warlords of Draenor. If you're ending the, if you played through the entire expansion and you're not ending at 700, you literally did nothing because they just threw gear at you at some point. Uh, but for those returning to the game, I think that's what their their whole idea for the the giving you loot out of those boxes was, 
and the fact that you could buy loot too and you can upgrade it a little bit as well. Is there any um, like heirloom gear that's going to be introduced or a manner to prolong the effects of existing heirloom gear with Legion? There, there already is some. Uh, there is a trinket that you could get from Archimonde, uh from LFR, from normal ones, from anything. You could get a trinket that would actually work to 110. Uh, and it's bind on account like everything else. So you could use it just like a regular heirloom. And there was one for each of the types of damage. So there was like a tank one. There was a melee one. Uh, there was a healing one. And then there was two different types of range intellect ones that you could possibly get. Uh, I but actually have one of the DPS ones. That's it? That's it so far. They How haven't much said anything. Was it giving a plus D experience? Yes. How big? Yeah, enough. Yeah. Like not, not super much, but like I think it was like 10, 10 or fifteen percent. Mm. But they really want you to, and I and I get this. They want you to experience the, the game, the world that they've made. And even though they're giving you incentives to, for lack of a better term, they're giving you incentives to go through every zone. They really want to make sure that you're experiencing this content. One to slow the pace down. And while we can we can argue about that, and as players, it definitely is one of the shittier things we have to deal with. From a development standpoint, I kind of understand that to a certain degree. You have to pace yourself because if you're just throwing out things constantly too quickly, you burn yourself out or you run into shitty content. We've seen that with other games, too, and we've seen that with WoW. Oh, yeah, and I, and I wouldn't suggest it as a means of bypassing too quickly so much sure. as being able to complement whatever gear that you have that's too low so that you can run content at your level such as the artifact stuff that you're talking without being under geared but then the the other problem with that is though heirloom heirloom stats have always been lower than gear at max level yes or gear at gear at even as your level yeah Yeah. and and legion does a really good job of just throwing stats at you really early right so how demon hunters feel overpowered right now because all their stats are front-loaded we're all getting that on gear so you're not going to really miss it too much i don't think Okay. So that was the invasions. The the only other thing that I would comment on the invasions, uh, I mean, the chests were fine. Though, fuck, they could have made those son of a bitches stack for those of us that leveled characters and waited to 100 before opening all of the chests up. Those, those son of a bitches add up. <laughs> my, <laughs> my bank was full. All my bags were full. I was pretty much starting to stack them on the ground by my bank. Yep. <laughs> Telling the person, the can thing. you keep an eye on these, please? Because <laughs> it was horrible. Uh, what I did like is that if you were opening a whole mess of them, just by virtue of the odds that you're going to you're bound to see it more. There was a lot more of the boosted ones as well. Items, be it your weapon or your gear or whatever. I personally hate the look of every single set. I mean, I hate the look of it. It, Tristan described it as it looks like an early green kind of set that you'd get in a new expansion. Like, and I think to be fair, it kind of is. Yeah. I, (laughs) <laughs> well, no, it's blue. It's rare. It should be nicer than this. Well, we're going to talk about that a little bit later, yeah. but I think blue is the new green. And then the other thing is, is that you got various shards that you could use to buy Upgrade. different things, whether it is oh, yeah. upgrading things or buying different things. The buying things, you're buying either the look of the set, which you have if you played that class. And I mean, it, once again, I don't have the cloth one. and I don't care. Mm-hmm. I don't want it. I don't have the male one. Don't care. Don't like it. The um, there was one mini pet, 
So that was okay. I bought a ton of those. Yeah, I'm going to be buying more tonight before that disappears. I'm assuming that's going to disappear tomorrow. Yeah, the vendor, I think, is going to go. They said that it's going to be a limited time thing for the vendor. And then you could buy also some uh, necklaces and rings. And And cloaks. Trinkets, too, I believe. Yeah, and the cloaks. Trinkets, cloaks, uh, belts. Basically the stuff that didn't show up in the, the chests. No, some of the stuff that did, like the belts you could get, um, that those did show in chests, but they have a lower drop rate, I guess. So it was okay, one of those right. things where you could actually buy one if you didn't get one. And then they didn't have all of the weapons. Correct. But they had uh, the Warglaive, which I got to tell you, that shit looks boring as hell. The one that you could buy looks, again, starter green. I, I The one, the one you that get you get as a completed. demon hunter looks way better. And I mogged into those. Yeah, that's just wrong. <laughs> that makes no sense. It should be something that looks freaking awesome. And it's like, no, I'm never going to use the look of that. <laughs> it looks horrible. What would be the point of spending all those tokens on that? Because as soon as you get your artifact weapon, you can definitely get a better look than that shit. So it's like, well, oh. not necessarily. And we'll talk about that, I guess, when we get to artifacts, too, because you're stuck when you first get your artifact for a while. OK, yeah, we'll touch on that in a bit then. So, again, that was pretty much Invasion. I, we're, we're kind of conflicted here in our opinions because I was very disappointed. The only thing that I liked about it was the ability to boost up a character. And even then, I only had the patience to boost up one. I mean, I, I did them on my a couple of 100s. Um, I did it for a little bit on my new Demon Hunter, but not for very long because that shit hurts. <laughs> Yep, <laughs> and you die even faster as a, a leather wearing class. So I was like, "Fuck that shit!" And then I I did one that was at ninety, and I got him to one hundred, so that was nice. But the the only way that I was able to stand doing it was playing it on one computer with the other one immediately beside it. I was playing hex, of course, you were. <laughs> because <laughs> standing around watching other people fight while you're flying, not so much with the exciting. So. Next, we should talk then about the Demon Hunter. Actually, no, we're going to do the cinematic because it leads into the Demon Hunter. Yes. The uh, the little short event. I'm going to let you take this and explain what it is. So we actually got to do the assaulting of the Broken Shore prior to Legion's release, which was something that we didn't know was going to happen. And these are the events of basically, well, everything that you've been reading on the site, if you've been following the audio dramas, the comic books, all of that stuff, this all happens in these events. Um so what you do is you actually go with your faction off to storm the Broken Isles to try to stop Gul'dan from opening this giant portal at the Tomb of Sargeras, which is formerly a Temple of Elune. Go figure. Uh, Elven bastards. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, so now that we're talking about filthy elves, but you go there and this is the big event. And if it's both factions are actually visible in this scenario event. And we're talking... It's like 40-man raid-level type stuff, and you're going through, and you're trying to shut down these little way gates, these portals, take out the generals, and I have not done it on the Alliance side. I've only watched the cinematic, so I don't know really what they do inside of it. On the Horde side, it's you crash to the shore, your ships are completely destroyed, and you basically have to fight your way up to the side of this mountain, essentially, to get to the high point 
and you have to go through a ton of stuff, like just a ton of big bad demons and, and way gates and, and summoning portals. I think the Alliance have to do exactly the same thing because they wind up literally beside you at one point. Yes. And I think they go through the same process. I mean, there'd be obviously a few different little cinematics, but they kind of made it in such a way that it's pretty much interchangeable between the two of them. And I think that's probably a good thing, honestly. Really? A little bit, because it doesn't really force you to have to roll another tune and another faction and level to 100 to experience it. So there you go. I don't think that's actually right, honestly, because A, nobody's going to do that. There's been different cinematics for both throughout the game. If Some somebody's have done that, interested, then they'll play both sides. If not, then they're not going to bitch after 11 years that, oh, they got a different cinematic than we did. So I don't, I actually thought that was. I, once again, I'm saying this a little bit more with this expansion with different little things. It, to me, that comes off as a little bit lazy, that Maybe. it's not nearly different enough. See, but the thing is, I don't know necessarily that Legion needs to have a different story between the two that much. But we'll, I'll talk about that a little bit later. <laughs> yeah, because you're about to say what happens, and I'm going to be like, exactly. That's my here, point right there. <laughs> here is where it gets a little, a, a little samey, but different at the same time. Like it's it's this weird action because at the end of it, at the end of the event, there are two very distinct things going. If you're Horde, you're keeping the the throngs of the Legion from overtaking a ridge uh, that oversees where the Alliance is attempting to get to Gul'dan. They're fighting waves of 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 Legion down there, and you're trying to keep them from getting overrun by them. Time. What winds up happening is you start taking grievous wounds. Uh, the new war chief, who has barely been war chief now, sad man, uh, winds up getting laid low with basically being stabbed through the chest. So poor Vol'jin gets snuck up on after murdering a ton of demons and gets sh- like stabbed through the chest with a fell blade. Sylvanas is stuck with sort of this weird, guilty, almost human moment where she rushes in to save him, abandoning her post. And he looks at her and says, don't let the horde fall. She makes the call to retreat because they've already taken a ton of losses. So they leave. She calls back the Dark Rangers. They all leave. They get out of there. From the Alliance side, what you see is that the horde abandons you. You don't see anything else that happens while you're in the middle of fighting. And so you have Mechatork, you have uh, Greymane, you have Varian all in the midst of the fighting. And then eventually they call for a retreat and they get back under their airship and they leave. And this fuels and this is the moment where you can see why Jen has refueled his hatred of Sylvanas. Not only has she murdered his son and done all sorts of other unspeakable things, but in his view, she left the alliance to die at the hands of the Legion, like abandon them at the at their highest point of need. So he wants to murder the shit out of her again. So they get back on the airship and they're going up, and Gul'dan laughs. And it's an interesting moment. Like he actually snickers. And summons a Fell Reaver, this giant fucking thing to grab the, the airship and try to pull it down. So what does Varian do? Varian hands the letter that we've all been seeing and, and hearing about in the, the opening cinematic to his son, to Jen Greymane. Let's go over the side of the ship and kills a Fell Reaver single handedly, rides it to the ground and starts chopping demons up until eventually he gets laid low and then exploded by Gul'dan. At least he got to die a heroic death. I'll give him that. But 
that's kind of a weird moment, right? And I don't know what happens after that. I think there's nothing that happens after that for Alliance. Basically, you just mourn his loss and there's like a memorial inside Stormwind. But on the Horde side, you make it back to Agrimar where you're summoned before, you know, Warchief Vulgin. You walk in and he dies in front of you after naming Sylvanas the new Warchief. Then she holds a big rally in front of Agrimar. You burn Vulgin's body in accordance to his wishes. And then she, you know, see, gets everybody ramped up and says he wants to go kill some Legion. And then there's another invasion. And they basically start hiding among themselves, trying to sow the seeds of deceit and assaulting basically both cities. It's an interesting story, like push, but not as interesting as it could have been. Also, the only ones that died during the entire sequence, Tyrion was dead at the hands of basically Gul'dan. And that was one of the center points of the, the Broken Shore. Then we have Vol'jin's dead and Varian Rin is dead. That's it. I expected more, honestly. Little, I, I don't want to say disappointing, but like lackluster. Oh, it definitely is disappointing. It, it definitely is. And it's disappointing because it is ridiculously mundane gameplay interspersed with spectacular cinematics. And, oh, and, and, let's, and let's be honest here, folks. The cinematics in Legion are absolutely beautiful. The... When you're seeing um, Vol'jin dying, when he's sitting on the throne there and he's talking, you, pausing that anywhere is a screensaver. Like it's, oh yeah, it's gorgeous art. More so for him, you can tell they really spent their time with it. Well, one thing that's interesting about that too is because you see how he's bandaged and he has the fell wounds while he's doing that. Yeah, the infection the entire time it's he's growing. talking that cinematic is slowly yeah. creeping through him, which I thought was kind of a nifty touch. Yeah. See, I actually, I did it backwards. I started to do this little event, and then I thought, eh, I'm just going to put it off because Tristan was starting his Demon Hunter, and we were going to do some playing at the same time. So I did my Demon Hunter. Now, we're going to get into that in a moment, but what winds up happening is that at the end of the Demon Hunter experience, when you go back to Orgrimmar or Stormwind, depending on your faction, you basically jump in at the same point as when the people who went to Broken Isle come back to uh, be at Orgrimmar or Stormwind as well. So you're seeing the same thing. So when I got her, my my my, my characters, I did a, an Alliance and a, a Horde one when I'd get them back. Well, I did the Horde one first, and then I get this Vulgens dying. I'm going, what the fuck happened? Mm-hmm. What did I miss? And that's actually poorly handled on their part there because not everybody is going to do the questing first and do the thing. And you can't do that broken out thing as a demon hunter. So if you don't do it on an existing 100, that's going to come as one hell of a surprise to you when you get to that point with your demon hunter. And that's what it did for me. It was like, what the hell happened? There were a couple of things that I thought were weird choices. That's one of them. And so... Then I, of course, I, I just did it today, but the um, I, I did see the ending for both. And, and again, I mean, 12 years later, it's no surprise to say the Horde one is significantly better than the Alliance one. It just is. And it's well, not, I, that's, that's not a personal preference between the two. No, it's, it's honest, I like yeah. both of the factions. It's just a fact. You can feel it in the Horde one. And 
when I played it, I didn't realize that that Varian was dead as well. So I just thought, holy crap, they're killing off Fulgin already? And it was like, okay. And then the whole bit with Sylvanas, I'm going, holy crap, this is going to be okay. And then I saw that they did the same thing to Varian. I'm like, oh, for fuck. What that is is, once again... Both factions have to have the same thing happen to them. And then how do we shoehorn that idea into a story? And it felt when you're, when you know that and you, you know that both of them are dying and then you play that, that, uh, that little thing, the event thing, which again, I just did today. It's like, yeah, that is so forced. It's unbelievable. You can argue that, yeah, the characters would do that. That's all well and good, but that doesn't change when, it's still forced. And and to me personally, that is entirely how it felt. It it was weird to me, though, just in the choice of who they killed, because you could kill anybody and have a similar reaction on the Horde side, right? They chose to, with Vulgen, who I understand was the war chief, and they were trying to keep it equitable between the two race, uh, two factions. But he's also a minority race inside of the Horde. There's not yep. a whole lot of Horde trolls, which is interesting. And then you have Varian, who his death has a lot more weight because there's a lot more humans in the Alliance, at least in my opinion. And it's it's interesting. And then he's succeeded by his son, which is, okay. that's a natural order of things. Okay, we understand that's how kings and monarchies and and stuff like that work. But then Vol'jin is steals the show by giving it to one of the shadiest characters who don't get me wrong. I absolutely adore her. I think she's one of my favorite NPCs. But it gives it to arguably one of the most shadiest characters on the Horde side. Okay, so you know what this is? <laughs> Fan service? No, this is Obama being run out of the White House and handing it over to Clinton. Oh, <laughs> uh, no. No politics, Roger. <laughs> no, but you know what it was? It was funny because as you're saying that, it and it's not that I am inserting politics, although it's funny. I just thought of that there. But what I did think is... That And again, I am reading more into it than what is obviously there, but it still felt very, very much, again, like a minority that's placed in a position of power but does not get to keep it very long and is written out and replaced with something that is more acceptable to, quote, and those are big old heavy air quotes unacceptable there, to the masses. Because like you said, the trolls are seen as a minority that there's been questing all along and in various stories, everything of how the orcs have historically looked at the trolls Mm -hmm. in the same way as racist white people have looked at other minorities. And so here you have a minority class that's in a position of power. And yet the people creating that decided to remove him very, very quickly from that. Yeah, role. and for me, it kind of rankles a little bit because Vol'jin, Vol'jin's a great character. Oh, God, he always yeah. has been. And yes. he didn't get the chance to really do anything. Whereas Varian, Varian's been around since the beginning. Like, he may not have been on the throne in Vanilla, but we were seeking him. There was an entire quest for the Lost King. There is an entire complicated, albeit unfinished, quest to go find him. And I thought that, you know, he and then he came back and he had all these crazy important moments. He founded the Council of the Three Hammers. That was his choice. He he's done so many other things to either incite war or to stop war. And he's had all these great story moments. Vol'jin Vol'jin's had some story moments. 
but he's never gotten to do them as the war chief. He never got to like usher in an era for the horde unlike Garrosh did. And I thought that was just such a waste of such a great character. I agree. I, I absolutely agree. When he took over, I was thrilled Yep, that at the prospect of what we could expect going forward with him in charge, I just thought, wow, this is going to change the landscape of the Horde. And I, I really, really was looking forward to that. And now it's like, nope, not at all. Now, does that mean that we're going to get that we're not going to get interesting stories moving forward with Sylvanas in charge? No, I'm oh, quite no, certain we will. I'm quite her certain. Her story is really interesting. So I'm certain, but the difference is, is that Sylvanas has still been written as a character that is very much just the world revolves around her. And yes, she cares about her group and whatnot, certainly, but she's written very often. Again, it's, it's very, very much well, an egotistical character still and that's so, that's even in the literature as well yes but here's the weird thing right and 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 this is i'm going to jump ahead just a little bit because this addresses something there there's this interesting thing with her in legion her story is really complicated and really deep and it gets explored a lot in legion and legion to me her story is almost about her struggling to find for lack of a better term, her humanity, which is something she kind of gave up a long time ago. But to be an effective leader, and she knows this, she comes from the Windrunner line. She knows what it's like to be a leader. She was she was the, the Ranger General at one point. She's brilliant. She's a brilliant tactician. She can be ruthless. But if you don't have compassion for your people, you fail. And she understands this, and you can see these glimmers of it throughout it. But it's such a weird thing to see without what I expected to happen. Now, what I expected to happen is I expected Vol'jin to get laid out in such a way that, you know, he couldn't regenerate or something that forced him to step down or or abdicate the throne, so to speak, and putting her in charge, but still acting as like a little tiny troll conscious to her and saying, you can't do this, or this is something you need to consider. Her shift, while good in Legion, seems against her character almost a little bit because she doesn't have any outside influences pushing her that way. Not to say her story isn't good. Her story is probably one of the better ones that we get for faction leaders in the entire expansion. And I really love what they do with her, especially in Stormheim. And if you're a Sylvanas fan, go to Stormheim. Her story is amazing. I just wish they kind of would have left something like that there or or something a little deeper. I, again, I agree. I, I'm... Looking forward to seeing what's going to be there, but I'm disappointed by what we didn't get as well. And a large part of that, too, is just this massive, massive disappointment in Warlords of Dunor's story that is still prevalent now. I mean, Mm -hmm. with this here, I'm certain it'll change as we move forward in the story arcs. But as it stands right this moment, it's still we're still feeling that effect. And it's like, fuck, I, I... I will be so happy when that is far in our rearview mirror and we don't have to deal with that crap anymore. Now, that said, as far as storytelling goes, uh, I have played all of Legion at this point, and I'm not going to ruin everything, obviously, but you can find some heart. The Mop was my favorite expansion. Mr. Pandaria was probably my favorite expansion in terms of story, lore, and characterization. 
I think it is number one. I, I don't think it's being dethroned for number one, but this is number two. Legion is definitely right up there with it as far as what it does with its its caliber of storytelling. It's cohesive so far, and that's something that Warlords never had. See, I, based on what little we've seen so far, I, I'm, I'm loath to put it at two simply because of the starting Demon Hunter area, and let's transition right into there. Because, and I was talking to a few people about this, I've done it twice now, mm-hmm. and that Demon Hunter starter area is a pile of shit as far as I'm concerned. Now, you're you're forced to do, in terms of gameplay and quests, a ton of the same fetch and kill ten, not rats, demons at this point, quests that we've been doing in MMOs for decades that... I think that more people need to speak out against it for it to change. And the idea that, well, you got to kind of do... No, no, you do not. You need the imagination to think of something better. And there's... Hold on, hold on a second. (laughs) Because I, again, and and Tristan felt the same way, and I talked to some others that felt the same, although I talked to others who loved it. But the, the fact was that is you're basically given a a few quests of importance of assembling the various factions to work together and things like that and then the the little bit of stuff that you do with Illidan and the little bit of stuff where you're kind of encased and imprisoned and then let loose and how that blends in with Black Temple so that was kind of cool to to see those things from a different perspective than what we have historically seen it so there were there were elements of it that certainly were cool but the story as a whole I thought was weak and the gameplay was ridiculously weak I I abhorred it and by gameplay I don't mean the gameplay of how you play the demon hunter so much as the questing the various things that you had to do and so as a whole and plus it's fast you get through that shit fast. Now, when you compare it to the other new class before that, the De- or the, the the Death Knight, and you look at that starter area and everything that you have to do when you're there, and yes, there's some similarities in terms of the fetch quest and things like that. Granted, that's still years ago now, but still, overall, originality in quests as well, because there's there's some there that were, and the storyline. And cinematics, amazing. Plus, you're still looking at, what, three hours at least to get through all that now, whereas this was done in no time flat and it was boring as shit. See, and I don't know, I kind of view them through similar lenses. I I agree that some of the quests for the demon or the the death knights were, were better in terms of like variety. I think that the demon hunters were, I don't want to say problematic, but they're also kind of single minded in their with their necessity. Right. And I think that was part of the problem with it, because the story of the zone was kill demons. That was it. The story of the Death Knight starter was do my bidding. We're taking over the world. Go do all these various things and figure out a way to do it. That's your job. And so it's from a characterization standpoint, it's a little bit different, especially because the Death Knight one was your leader was there telling you what to do the entire time. Illidan had a very minor hand in the demon hunting starting zone. Now, that said, the Mardoon portion, I thought was okay 
uh, it was when you got to the Vault of the Wardens that I got bored. Now, the Mardoon stuff is cool because Mardoon is the original planet that Sargeras it, like imprisoned all of the demons that he had been fighting forever. That's where you were sent to go get the Sargerite Keystone. And I thought that one of the cool mechanics of that zone in particular that they introduced was you unlocked your abilities as a demon hunter by taking them from other demons. And I thought that was kind of nifty for from a story perspective. Uh, and I liked experiencing Mardoon in so much as seeing what was there as desolate as it was. But other than that, once you got past that point, it was more of the same stuff. The Vault of the Wardens was was rather boring. Yeah, and but see, when you're talking about taking the abilities, that's an interesting concept. However, mm-hmm. its execution is just go kill that person. The reward is getting the ability. There's no special thing that you do that you draw it out of them or whatever. Sure. You kill them. That's it. And again, going back to Death Knights again, like... Look at all of the different types of quests that you did that weren't go fetch and kill. That Like going in the eye to investigate things, changing up your outfit and hiding in a goddamn tree, freeing different people in, in different places, the the big old stuff with the, the, the Gatling gun, whatever the fuck that is on the boat. There's a whole bunch of different things. Killing someone that you knew from before and listening to their epic story as they're pleading with you to... to Hang on to your humanity. So many different oh, no, cool I things. Agree. And then you get here and you get half-ass gameplay, half-ass questing, and cinematics that are storyboard art. Well, only one of them was. And, yeah. I, and I've, I've actually argued, that, and this is something that I will, I've argued both sides of it. And I've, I've had this, this discussion at length with a bunch of my other uh, lore-focused friends. Uh, it's one of those things where... I understand how it slots in and where and why they did it. I don't like it because the idea is you get the the storyboard from Harbingers is a cinematic inside of this event. But it's specifically when you're told by I think her name is Sierran. I think by Sierran to use the pool of visions to relive a memory, her memory. And that's when they present it. And you realize that Harbingers is her memory of the events because she was there for the taking of of Black Temple and everything that occurred after that. And I thought that was interesting in that regard. But it was also to me, I thought it was I don't want to say lazy is not the right. Oh, it is. Hold on a second. I was gonna say misguided. I think it's I think is I think is the proper one. If if that was their only faux pas, I would go with misguided. But it is not, and so I will not. I feel it was lazy. Now, and that's not to say that I don't like demon hunters. I think they're actually really cool. I think their mechanics are pretty cool. And I like the idea that you get to play this ancient class that existed, you know, ten thousand years ago when Illidan was around. But yeah, they could have they could have made it more engaging. And I think that's the only thing they I don't know, I feel like they rushed it a little bit. I'm going to be probably in the minority when I say that while I enjoy playing the demon hunter a little bit it is actually far from my favorite class and often when it's the new one you have the most fun with it and you're like i really want to just play this one and i did both specs because again the two characters i figure okay i'll do a tank and a dps and i really am not that crazy about it like it's fun but it's like not that big a deal i mean meanwhile 
my freaking Fury Warrior is a blast to play. That mm-hmm. motherfucker is ridiculously fun to play. I got my my Druid up to another, a Horror Druid up to 100. And uh, again, still love that class. Always will, probably. Played so, some other ones. But this one here, I don't know. It just, it part of the mechanics I find feel clunky, actually. And the the leap, the, I, I like the dash, but when you change it to leap for a tank, it I don't find that it works nearly as effectively as say the uh, the warriors heroes. See, but I think I think that it was partially, and and this might be me giving them too much credit, and I'll freely say this up front because I don't know the design intent. I think part of that though is because Legion is all about brand loyalty, so to speak. And your class is your center focus for everything. It's your identity. It's how you progress your story. Your the class story is integral to everything that happens with you, such as the first thing that you're going to experience when you drop into Legion, which is going to open up your order hall, which is your central hub for everybody of your class, all of your specs. And these are the central power locations all throughout the Broken Isles and Azeroth as a whole. Uh, So for Shaman, for example, you're going to the Maelstrom and you're opening up what's called the Heart of Azeroth, which is this ancient shamanic point that bridges all these planes of existence and i think that's you know and and so you're more encouraged to explore whatever your favorite is as opposed to whatever the new hotness is like when we first got a hero class death knights were the new hotness in every possible regard they had the freshest story they were tied to lich king which is arguably one of the the most favorite villains that they've ever had Uh, it was a class that was stupidly overpowered when it was first released let's be honest and it took a long time for them to balance that so playing a death knight was stupid fun because you could murder the shit out of things that were murdering you for months on end before that there's a lot that were swinging you hard towards the the death knight demon hunters seem to slot in more on par with the other classes they don't feel ridiculously overpowered and so the draw unless you're really into like illidan and elves and shit like that isn't necessarily there where you know i'm a shaman i'm a shaman first and foremost that's my class that will always be my class it's been since the game was first a thing i identify with the shaman class so i get to experience that and they're really pushing that class identity this expansion and i think that plays into how they develop the demon hunter uh, well, I, I I agree with what you're saying. The problem, though, is that based on the level of fervor that we've been seeing for specifically the Demon Hunter class, there's a lot, lot more people that I know and follow who are ecstatic about the class that never even bothered or barely bothered with the Death Knight because there were aspects of the Death Knight sure. class that really didn't appeal to them. There is something about that Demon Hunter class, the the allure of it and all kinds of things that appeals to a much broader audience. And it's a negative way of dwindling that down so that not everybody's playing them. But it, what winds up also happening is that it's just not as fun to play as well. But they also have, and I think this is where it comes into play, the I think the importance for these classes, and I think where the big draw of Demon Hunters is going to be, is through their Order Hall class quest and what they do there, right. and the story that they progress from that point. And I think that's that's kind of the important thing. So I'll, I'll talk a little bit more about Order Halls just in depth, since it seems like a good segue in here. Yeah. It's 
when I say that these are the most important things to you, these are the most important things to you. Whether you're going back to, you know, this holy this holy place, like you, warriors, you go to Valhalla. You literally go to Valhalla. It's a place. It's a titan created place, but it's a place. Uh, hunters go to the first hunting area that was founded in High Mountain uh, and gifted to the hunters of the area by the the high uh, the high mountain tauren uh you have all of these iconic like places that revolve around your class in such a way that it being the first thing you do is important you're establishing a base for your order you're establishing a base for your class you're bringing them back from the brink of of what they say is destruction although even only a couple of major npcs died um but yeah, it's it's in the story that progresses from and I haven't done all of them. I've done priest and I've done shaman and the priest one is stupidly good. And the shaman one is stupidly good. And and slight spoilers, shaman, the, you're going to be getting the elemental lords that, you know, we spent all these years killing to fight for you. They defer to you as the ultimate farseer. If you're a priest you're working with Velen to channel the pure light and bring down the Naru, like bring them to you to get them to help you. Like, and you're doing some epic things like, I don't know, finding Velen's son. Which- how, how long is the, the um, quest line for the order halls respective to how long it takes for you to get through the zones and to level to the, the new cap? It's an entire expansion's worth. So the stuff that you get is – so when you first get to your order hall, you, what you wind up doing is you clear it out you, and you – after that, you go and get your artifact. When you get back from doing your artifact, they show you what is basically the zone maps for the world. And this is where you get to choose where you play comes in because you get to choose from this map where your first breadcrumb is. Where do you want your forces to go? Where are you going to go help and scout and, and find things? And – that starts your story quest and each of these zones, each of these areas uh, triggers different things, whether it's finding a key NPC or finding a key item uh, or whatever the case is, they all have purpose. Okay. Hold on a second. Are you talking about like you're, 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 you're going to those zones that are within the new, the Mm -hmm. broken isles to, to, to actually quest and not like you're commanding forces like you did in the garrison and sending shit out. No, you do send some shit out, but not nearly to the degree. What you send out are scouts, basically. Right. Okay. So you send out scouts, and the scouts come back. Yep, here, uh, this is where you're going to want to start. I found this trail for you to go. You're looking for this pillar creation. We think it's here. Here's <laughs> so, where you can start. So this is basically the the freaking bulletin boards in the major cities as it is now, just a but little you, bit more interactive. A lot more interactive. Yeah. You, get, you actually have agency in those choices, which is kind of cool. Okay. Uh, but the story that expands from them is going to last the entire expansion. And I think that's kind of important because they want to keep the spaces relevant uh, and not least as much for some of the mechanics that it's going to give you, such as leveling up your artifact weapon, unlocking different uh, artifact knowledge stories uh, and things like that. But it allows you sort of that feeling of, oh, I have this place I can retreat to uh, and kind of chill out. That's not a major city but I can chill with other shaman or other druids or or other other cla- uh, people of my same class, which is kind of nifty. And the other cool thing about it is you do get to see key NPCs from lore that you do interact with that are important to you, minus warriors who basically don't have any key ones that are still alive. Um, 
but like shaman, you're in there with you know Nabundu. You're in there with basically every named shaman you could possibly find. Same with the priests. All of the important priests that exist are in this hall. Same with the paladins as well. Uh, Death Knights are another one that have a really cool story with their order hall because, yeah, it's the Arceus again, but the Arceus is parked at the Frozen Throne now. And you're working with a tenuous partnership with Four Dragon or, yeah. Like, it's it's interesting. And there's all sorts of cool little things there that they do with it. It's engaging. It's far more engaging than sitting in Dalaran and waiting for a quest to pop up or something stupid like that. At least I think it's a better way to present quests and letting you have choice. I, I'm i going to have to wait and see, obviously, because I am so disillusioned by garrisons mm-hmm. and the obvious comparisons that these have to garrisons. And yes, there it sounds like there's a lot more to them and it'll be a lot better. The idea, though, of being with a whole bunch of other shamans I don't see how you would spend any more time talking to them than you would random people in Orgrimmar. And maybe You'd be surprised, actually. In a beta, yeah, because people are chattier and more friendly in a beta and things like that because there's that closed-off feeling of doing something special, whereas in reality, once everybody's in and flooded, flooded those areas, yeah, I can't see there being a lot of priest chat in the priest order hall versus just kind of the same kind of stupidity that you'd get in any general chat. Sure, and that that's and that's a risk you're always going to have when you have a large number of players kind of gathering together. Yeah. That's an inevitability. It's going to happen especially as the expansion drags on, but you can it, it, when it comes down to it if you really feel like it, you don't have to interact with them. Well, exactly. To, and that's my my so point is that kind of, that's not a selling point to me. That's not a selling fair, feature because fair. I see that going downhill so fast. And I don't fair. think that it's going to be anything that's going to be I mean, again, garrisons have their own chat, too. <laughs> and I turn that shit off. <laughs> because garrisons also only allow you to have three people or two people in your, your garrison at a time, whereas this one, not you can have no, no, I mean, a little bit more. Like general chat, garrison chat yeah, kind of thing. So, yeah. Again, maybe it will be significantly better than what I'm thinking. It's just, unfortunately, I keep going back to everything that was done wrong with garrisons. And to me, it's, it's a mechanic that I kind of would prefer not have been implemented and they just do something more original for what it's worth i hated garrisons i would want to burn them to the goddamn ground if i could like i'd go back to mine and be like oh see you guys later light it on fire and leave and never come back i actually like order halls i think they're they're kind of nifty and see the other thing too that bothers me with it and then this can transition into our artifact discussion is the same thing that we're going to be seeing with garrisons we're in they are pointless now and all of the work that we did for them, if you were the kind of person that hunted companions initially when that aspect mm-hmm. was fun, which I did, because that was one of the few things that I enjoyed about this. So it's like, okay, let's go and rescue this person or recruit this one. And, and that kind of thing was fun. All of that work is pointless now. It's a complete and utter waste of time. All of the money that was spent on those garrisons, gone absolutely yes, that, pointless that i have a problem with and the so the amount of money you sunk into garrisons was stupid oh yeah so this is again going to be the same thing kind of ex- where order halls are going to be pointless later on sure but as, you don't actually spend money on them yeah they're not a sink they're they're a vehicle for story more than anything else then and it's that, a it's basically a quest hub is all it is 
which I'm okay with. Yeah, if that's all it is, and it's not asking me to spend thousands of gold no. upgrading, then yeah, I'm all right with it. But the then thing, it, it the leads to thing, the the artifacts, which are the same thing, where it's they've said point blank, it's solely going to be for this expansion. So all yes. of the work that we're going to be doing is going to be exactly like Garrison's, where it's going to be completely wasted time. Right, but here you're not spending money on anything. The only thing you're doing is spending order hall like token type things. It's like resources, but not as grindy. Like you just get them in the world. Like right. you kill an elite, it drops like twenty of them. You find a random treasure chest, it gives you like five thousand of them, and you can upgrade it. Like after a week of just questing, I had more order hall resources than I knew what to do with. So it wasn't like the other the other stuff where I had to put money and garrison resources on top of finding blueprints and oh, doing God. all this other stuff. It's your order hall has a talent tree. You choose the talent tree like Starcraft when you're doing the campaign. You get to pick between a couple different choices. As you level it up, you get different perks, essentially, that you get in while you're in the world. Um, you want to go level with a companion. Like one of the cool things from garrisons that they brought over to the order hall Um the garrison body card I thought was a cool idea. It didn't extend far enough for it to be seen as uh, too useful because you only had so many people that you could really put into it that were worthwhile. Here with the order halls, you can literally assign any of the characters that you interact with or that you have access to in the order hall to be a companion for you if you're out there in the world by yourself. And they will disappear when you have a group and they'll come back when you're done. But like I had an Ubuntu healing me because I was like, I'm going to try elemental, but I keep, you know, I'm going to be doing some elite shit. And well, this sucks. Nabundu was just piling around, you know, helping me out. Or Merla Stormcaller was sitting there as I'm healing, like going out in the world with me and smashing shit like the dwarven and badass she is. And that's a cool and it persists through all zones, not just like a one zone thing. So it's you can have that active the entire time, which I thought was good because it actually extended a really cool feature thereon. The other idea for the order halls is that it is going to be a vehicle for artifact knowledge. What artifact knowledge is, so and we're going to talk about artifacts here very very quickly after this. Uh, but artifact power is how you level up your your artifact. It's how you get different abilities and and things as you're going through. But you have the ability to get all of the artifacts depending on your spec. So you can, if you have four specs for like a druid, you can have all four artifact weapons if you so see fit. But leveling them up, there's it can be difficult. As a catch-up mechanic, there's what's called artifact knowledge. Basically, you have an archive lore master in your order hall that you can basically say, hey, this sounds like a cool thing. What can you tell me about it? And you set him the task to basically going to the library. And, it, and when he comes back, it's like, yep, okay, well, here's what you need to know. You can go here and do this thing. And from there on, you get bonus artifact power as a catch-up mechanic already, like implemented from day one, which I think is kind of interesting. Um, which, again, I'll switch over to artifacts now because that is the second thing that you'll do once Legion drops. Once your order hall is established, and your NPCs are going to send you on a task to get the most powerful weapon or item for your particular class. If you're a shaman, which is the one I'm most common or most knowledgeable with, it's the Fist of Radan. Uh, it is the scepter of, they call it Shadrasal, but it's essentially like, this was Queen Ajara's like gift at one point. 
uh, or Doomhammer. And these are items that you're going to go to the world and get. But let's say for me, I'm always going to start with the healing one. I'm always going to start with the uh, Shadrasol. If I also play Elemental, so when I hit level 102, I can go over to, uh, I think it's Merla that gives you the quest, and say, hey, so about calling down lightning on things, what can I do about that? And I can go and get that, and then I can go do that quest, which is actually kind of a cool little quest. Uh, Each of these are instances and events that you go through to get it. So for Resto Shaman, which is one of the ones that I'm most interested about, we actually go back to the essentially the elemental plane of water and you're going to uh, Vashir and you're actually going through and you're trying to find a shaman who went looking basically for this artifact to try to help and has gone missing. And as a healer, it's actually a pretty decent setup. You actually assemble a party as you're going through this event, which includes not just player type characters, Yes, there is a Pandaren NPC, but one of them is a sea giant. You actually befriend a sea giant as your tank. Uh, you actually bring... Do you remember the Broken from the five-man instance that had the giant squid hat? Yes. He's an NPC, and he's <laughs> he's your companion. And he actually goes back in there with you. He's an elemental He's an elemental shaman. He goes in there with you to help you like find your way through this. And it's a multi-stage scenario and event where you're going through this entire zone... And so you get to the end and you take out one of Queen Azara's lieutenants and steal back the scepter. And it teaches you not only mechanics of fights, because there are things you have to pay attention to. There's like fire on the ground. There's bad circles you can't stand in. Uh, the NPCs are actually intelligent and in how they taunt or how they drop aggro. <laughs> More so than thought, real people. <laughs> yes. Yes, actually. <laughs> Uh, and there, there's cool little mechanics like that. And then the, the entire event is actually really well done. And I actually really enjoy it. And all of the healers have somewhat similar experiences where you're gathering a party and doing your thing. Uh, the elemental one, you're going back to Pandaria. You're going to the Temple of the White Tiger. Ooh. Why? Because uh, Zuen has been keeping this artifact safe for Raden since Raden disappeared. He's been holding on to this and he deemed it too dangerous for mortal hands. You have to go prove your worth to him. And it's you and it's Rengar, the gladiator supreme, that go and get this weapon. And at one point, Zuen was like, okay, well, you fought back the Legion. You're being vouched for by several people. And then two NPCs come out that we haven't seen or heard from for a while. Chen Stormstout and Lili. Oh. <laughs> and you have to prove to Zuen in honorable combat that you are worthy of favor. And you actually fight <laughs> Chen Stormstout and Lili, who, and this is kind of an interesting thing, and is while you're fighting them, they actually use their Heroes of the Storm's moves. <laughs> so they actually incorporate Heroes of the Storm into World of Warcraft in that regard, which I thought was brilliant. I saw that, and I'm like, wait a minute, wait, 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 holy shit! And it's it's actually really well done. And at the end of it, Zuen does give you the item, and you do have this like horrendously cool like cinematic where you're fighting off the legion at the end and it's really well done and that's they, the, the elemental one you said that's the, that's the elemental one that's actually i tend to play elemental on mine so that's you're gonna like that. that i have i have not done the enhancement one but the enhancement one is in deep home so you actually go back to deep home as well so there's in every class every spec has something like this the cat druid one is amazing 
the 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 talons that you go and get these were the old druid of the talon claws that were gifted uh by i can never remember the wolf's name ah shit i know who you're talking about but the white wolf, yeah, yeah, yeah. the white, yeah. the, the ancient, he gifted this to the druids and they nobody could handle the power. So one of the druids steals them to fight the legion without basically anybody's knowledge. But he's kind of a noob and winds up getting taken over by the feralness of it. And you actually have to hunt him throughout the zone to find him, subdue him and rip them off of him. And the entire time you're doing this, you're getting incredible story of the elves and how they came to be and what happened with the old night elves in highborn and it's a cool event and it spans a couple different zones and when you finally get it there's like this very big sense of reward for it because how you get it is so like the fight is so well done i was very much enjoying it like I'm not every artifact is perfect. Some of the quests are a little like some of them. People are complaining are a little bit weaker. But the ones that I've seen, I've been very impressed with just the events to go get them. See, the problem that I'm having with the uh, the Druid one, especially, is that it is answering a call that is 12 years old to <laughs> allow Druids to look different. Yes. Based on their weapon. So yes. great. All right. That, that's that's fantastic. I mean, we had the fire kitty for a little while, though that motherfucker has a hard staff to get dropped. Now it's a, just a, a toy, but still, I still don't have it, and I've been running that shit a lot. So not exactly like it's fair that everybody gets it. It's very rare, which that's fine, but this is going to allow everybody to finally look a little bit different. I mean, there were some slight enhancement and changes when they added a few skins, but really not all that many. And I had things to say about that way the fuck back when. Speaking of wow dogs. (laughs) But the problem I'm having now is they're introducing all of these different looks, which I have to say some of them, which they didn't touch Moonkin, which I'm very disappointed in. But the differences for bear and cat, there are justifiably a lot of them. I'm I'm not crazy about all of them, but there's enough of them that I'm like, ooh, I would support that. That's kind of awesome, things like that. The problem is, once again, artifact weapons are only for this expansion. So come next expansion, that's gone now, and we're back to square fucking well, one again. I have I have a sneaking suspicion <laughs> that I, I have an idea of how they're going to do with artifacts at the end of the expansion, and I'll get to that after I explain a little bit more about the the models, right? So artifact weapons, not only do you power them up and unlock different abilities and passives and sometimes uh, active spells, depending on your spec, uh, each artifact has five different models with four different color variations. And for druids, each one of these is a different type of skin. There's also a hidden uh, model for each of the classes and specs as well, which gives an additional hard-to-find but rewarding uh, sort of look that you can grab, go and grab for you. So all in all, there are 25, wait, 25, 24. Uh, no, yeah, 25, 25, sorry. There are 25 different looks for each artifact, which is really cool for customization depending on what you want. Uh, artifacts can be transmog, but bears and, and cats will still get the effect of whatever um, set or whatever look they pick. But I think what they're going to do is I think at the end of the expansion, we're going to wind up taking the power of our artifacts 
and I'm marking this down. So listen, listen at this point when the oh, expansion's God. over, come back to this episode and see if I'm right, that we're going to expend the power of the artifact. And for classes like the Druid, where it has an impact on your visual, it will be a lingering item where, yeah, it's not a powerful artifact anymore because we expended the power to defeat the Legion in whatever regard we needed to or kill Sargeras or kill Archimonde again or kill Kill Janin or destroy a portal or, in my opinion, go to Argus, which I think is going to happen. Then you'll still be able to have your, your specialization of look based off of that toy because I don't think they're going to take that away from you guys. The rest of us will just be like, yeah, well, I got a rock. But I think they're going to give that to Druids because I think it's been, like you said, it's been 12 years coming. Because historically they have been kind to Druids with the way they look. They let you guys keep the fire kitty and turn it into a toy instead of keeping it on the staff so you don't have to equip the staff anymore. That's one thing. That's one. One this is thing. Another. And they didn't we'll make see. it easier we'll to get. That's true. <laughs> it's just one change. I, again, maybe we'll they see. will. We'll see what happens. But as a druid player, I, I, I've been <laughs> beat up enough by them that I don't trust them. When Blizzard turns around fast, I wince. <laughs> <laughs> so that's fair. <laughs> that's how I feel about that. Okay, moving away from artifact weapons now. I was going to talk about legendaries. Oh God. Okay. Well, if you're going to bitch, make it fast. I'm not going to bitch. Actually, this is something I like a little. Oh bit. come on. We were just talking about well, this. They're turning into fucking I, legendaries from D3. How can you be happy about that? Because it's promoting tourism, and I said this a little bit. So I have a, uh, there's this thing out there. There's a concept called MMO tourism where. You basically try to find cookies that allow people to come into your game sort of casually almost and find stuff that makes them feel special. Diablo 3 does this really, really well. You go into a game, you find a legendary, and yeah, it doesn't maybe have the weight that it used to, but it was still a cookie, right? It's still something that makes you feel happy when you see it drop. Legendary items traditionally in WoW have been this this super important thing or super difficult to get. Uh, the first one being uh, Thunder Fury, Blessed Blade of the Windseeker, which was or, and Ragnaros's uh, Hand of Ragnaros, which were traditionally bitches to assemble. They were horrible. They were awful to get to and took a long time. When you got them, there was a huge sense of accomplishment. Same thing with Volunteer. It was difficult to get, and you had to complete a very specific quest and event in a boss fight to get it. Same thing with uh, Shadowmourne. Then came Mists, and in Mists of Pandaria, everybody got a cloak, and it was a legendary item, and everybody got it. And Mists decided that legendary items, while important and fun to get, are not going to be exclusive items like they used to be. I kind of agree with that philosophy a little bit for players that don't have hardcore guilds to go with but still want a cookie. Uh, It's incentive. And they continue that with rings in Warlords of Drainer. Yes, you could put in work and get it to advance and become more powerful, but everybody got one. And it's the same thing here where now instead of everybody getting one, which they're completing with the artifacts, they're turning into more of a Diablo loot style drop fest where you can actually get legendary items specific to your racing or your class and spec from anywhere in the world. And I think that's kind of okay. I think it's I think it's fun enough at this point that it it feels good for players now some players are going to complain about it uh it's going in and i will i will say that it does lose this the special feeling of completing a legendary but for some players it's going to be a big draw it just happens to be that legendaries are now the new or legendary items in 
Legion are basically what epics used to be, like really high-end Warforged epics. Epics are the new or blues, and blues are the new greens. Yeah, because honestly, it is something that's going to radically change the game in terms of how you feel getting a legendary. Yes. It's simply not going to mean nearly as much. Now, we did see that from, uh, like, I mean, year one, say, to, uh, I don't know when it changed that drastically. I think it probably was Burning Crusade that it had already started, where you were seeing more epics drop. Because, man, you saw an epic drop, a world oh, yeah. drop in year one. You were, like, freaking calling people. <laughs> Especially if you weren't a raider. Like, if you weren't a raider at that time, you never saw them. In some of the raids, like, people forget that, like, uh, Strathholm and uh, Upper Black Rock Spire were raids. They weren't group dungeons. Well, you could run them, too, and not get any epics either. Sure, they they drop, drop but... Well, no, but, I mean, later on when you were doing some of the raids, even. Yeah. Like, even though epics were dropping, they weren't always dropping for you, or you couldn't afford them. So, and then that feeling... I remember the first time an epic dropped in the fucking world, and it it was, like, unbelievable. I was like, what just happened? And I'm talking to people, and it it was huge, and then that, of course, changed when epics became candy all over the fucking place mm-hmm. and now i fear the same thing is going to happen with legendary the, the the i think that again it it was a good enough system where epics were good gear very easy to get that you could still have something above that which was extremely rare and hard to get but you're sure. taking that away now by giving a Diablo 3-esque kind of loot mentality of epics for or legendaries for everybody. So, okay, what's going to be more rare then? Because See, that's what you want. You want that ultra rare know. something. And that's what it's in the fucking name. Legendary. <laughs> it's not going to be legendary if it's falling off a fucking boar <laughs> in some friggin' starter zone. Uh, but it's not going to be a bore and a starter. Well, okay. It's it might be. Like, be. <laughs> it won't be. It, oh, the first time it happens, I'm going to rub your fucking nose. Do it. I want you to. I want you to. Here, here's the thing. I'm hopeful. I'm hopeful that this is that this is going to be a good thing for the game. Because one of the things that, that WoW has struggled with is keeping players with incentive to come back occasionally. Not necessarily stay logged in all the time, but give them something to come back to and legendary items for a lot of players that 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 orange text is a great motivator just like le- just like epics used to be and i think that that's okay yeah but as it won't be it, if they're dropping like candy i don't think they need to drop like candy not necessarily i think that they need to be something that is still a it's rare enough when it happens i think that these need to be what epics were in year 1 if okay. they do that, I'm okay. Uh, yeah, okay, if they do that, but that's not what it's sounding like it's going to be. It it's it, They have not specified it, especially because they say that there's some level of bad luck streak protection, and I think that has to do more with there are a subset of legendaries that are specific drops from specific mobs, and there's some of them that require you to go into like special instances or zones, and I think they're trying to not have another Dark Shaman's transmog scenario where you can go 500 days without getting it fuck you guys um i think they're trying to do it where like the resto shaman one drops from the eye of ajara's uh instance 
which is a fun instance, but a brutal instance. And I think they're trying to do it where if you run that like 50 fucking times, you have a slightly increased chance of getting the thing that drops from there. See, the, the only reason why I'm concerned is because I was just reading about that today where they were saying how uh, by default you can have one legendary and then there's a, At a, time, a yes. quest um, from your order hall that allows you to have more than one. Not a quest, a talent. A ta- you okay, yeah, sorry, a talent, yeah. Which means that means it is going to be more easy to get legendaries yeah. if you can put a talent in to equip more than one. That ain't like year one epics at all in well, terms of drop rate. It depends on how they do it. We're going to have to see, and this is one that I'm going to reserve judgment on until I see how it's actually implemented. Because I will say this in the beta, this wasn't a thing. So I can't speak to it with any sort of clarity or or certainty. Yeah. I'm I'm, I'm thinking about it in terms of D3, honestly, because when they initially did the increased drop, it was amazing. Of course we had fun. Mm -hmm. They were dropping, but that was very, very short lived because it became. A point that they were everywhere. They yeah. you, they dropped all the time, and so seeing that orange text, it no longer means anything to me. There there is quite literally no excitement anymore from seeing orange text, and I am worried that if the drop rate is too high, that it will wind up being the same thing. So and, we'll and see. that's fair, but that's and that's also not to say though that there's not going to be other incentives to log into the game. Uh, there's other things that they are going to do that are pretty damn cool. Uh, they're bringing back world bosses, which is something that they've been kind of half-assing for a while. There's a lot more of them now, uh, and they're varying degrees of, yes, you need a raid group to you can do this with, you know, 10 people. They're, they're, they're all over the place, and I think that's kind of cool. And they drop different types of things. Some of them are actually... Uh, will have the hidden artifact appearances for some of the classes as a potential drop. Uh, there is going to be 11 world bosses at release, which I think is, I think that's good, as opposed to the three that we used to have per expansion, the four we used to have per expansion that weren't very exciting. Uh, there's also going to be a ton of dungeons that come off right off the bat. There are 10 dungeons that were completely scalable from the time you start the game Till the time you get to the the, the top way, uh, there's assault on the violet hold because apparently we needed a violet hold again. Uh, Court of stars, I have Azara, Moth souls, the art way, uh, black rook hold, which is the huge druid instance, which is actually really fucking cool. Uh, Dark heart thicket, which is another druid instance, which is uh, sort of like the precursor to the emerald nightmare. Uh, Halls of valor, which is all about the warriors. Uh, Neltharian's Lair, which we actually get to go through where Deathwing basically lived when he was still Neltharian. Uh, and then we have the Vault of the Wardens, which is basically another almost like Violet Hold type place, uh, but with different things that have been captured over the course of the 15,000 years of the game world. Uh, there's a lot that you can do right off the bat. Now, Karazhan was also announced as they're going to be redoing Karazhan as a five man dungeon. It will not be initially part of the release. It will be part of the 7.1 content patch, uh, which means that they're still going to be looking at adding five mans to the game after release, which is something they traditionally have not done, which I think is good because raids are fun. Dungeons are also... Go ahead. No, I was laughing when you said raids are fun. (laughs) 
rays are fun, but they're a lot of work and they get a lot of they're a lot of pain in the ass. Let's be honest. Dungeons are are quicker, easier things to throw together because you only need to find four friends or go into the dungeon finder and get a group together. And they've been traditionally neglected. Yeah, challenge modes are there and mythic mythic dungeons were introduced last expansion. But here they're introducing a whole new set of, of content just revolving around that. And it looks like we're going to get a series of new dungeons as the expansion goes on, which has never been the case. Aside from, and if you tell me those troll dungeons count, I'm going to fucking fight you because they don't count. So I think that's kind of cool. And they're, this is another thing where they're stealing the idea from Diablo. And it seems that they're borrowing a lot from Diablo in this expansion where you have variable difficulty on those dungeons based off of keystones that you get. So you can actually unlock higher difficulty as you go through. And it's not just a static set. So it can remain relevant to you the entire time you're playing the game. And the gear that drops will be the eye level will be based off of the level of content you're doing in those dungeons. So if you never want to step foot in a raid, but you want to have some cool gear to go do other shit, you're going to be able to viably do that through five mans for once, which has never been the case. Okay, let's uh, move on to the actual Broken Isle stuff that we can expect. And we're we're going to keep this not quite as long. And when I say we, I mean <laughs> you, just because we are running a little Sorry, bit long. No, 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 here. not at all. This is great. This is fantastic information. But in terms of the zones, give us what the zones are that you can play. And it, we've, we've all been told how you can go wherever you want and start where in whichever zone you want and scale to it. So what are the zones and what's kind of the overarching story that you can expect in that zone and points of interest? Just kind of like briefly. Okay. So I'll start with high mountain, which is one of my favorites. Uh, so high mountain is one of the ancient places where the Legion first attacked way back when, and this is the home of the high mountain torrent who were the only torrent to sort of gain the favor of Malorn and Loon. Uh, there's a very deep story here. If you're a fan of Torin and Druidry in general, uh, shamanism, spiritualism, anything like that, it all ties into here. It also has a very central story uh, regarding uh, everything that has to do with the Black Dragon Flight. And there's some very big surprises and upsets to uh, lore from that we've expected as being a thing for the last 10,000 years in the game world. Stormheim is a Vicruel main place. Uh, this is sort of like the Viking North where Odin lives, one of the Titan Watchers that we've never heard from since, well, ever. We knew he existed. We've just never seen him. He exists. And this story centrally focuses on not only that, but it focuses on uh, Valhalla, which is very important to this Titan store story, uh, as well as uh, the undead storyline in Valkyr. That's very, very central. And if you're, this is what I'm saying, like, if you like Sylvanas, this is the place you want to start. Suramar is an interesting place that's more about, like, magic and the Nightborn. Uh, but, and it's not, you can quest around it, but that's going to be where one of the main, main raids is going to be. And you can see it, it's a giant magical city protected by a dome. Uh, there's the, that's where the Nightwell is, which is one of the very key important pieces. That's where the original, the original, original, original Well of Eternity was. Uh, then you have Valshara, which is the Druid like Grove Center. This is where Druidity was born. This is where the first Druid Grove ever existed. And 
all of the key NPCs and the ancients and stuff like that are here. So if you're a fan of druids, that's where you're going to want to start. Azuna is all about the night elves and not the nightborn, not the high elves, the night elves and the society that was essentially crushed under the rule of Queen Ezzara and what happened afterwards. And you're going to learn a lot about what happened, her involvement in that zone, her reinterest in that zone, as well as how she decided to just casually uh, submerge it underwater because she got angry with them because they stood up to her. There's a lot of cool stuff, though. Now, those are the five zones. And each of those zones is going to have a pillar of creation in it. And the pillar of creation are Titan artifacts that the Titans use themselves to forge the world of Azeroth into what it was. And all throughout all these zones, everything ties together into the greater story of Azeroth, which is the final Titan. Which is important because, well, we're trying to protect the egg and make sure that it hatches safe and sound. The egg? Did you not? Oh, I, I'm. I'm. This is new. So, Titans There's are born. <laughs> kinda. Titans. <laughs> Titans are born from world souls, and world souls happen occasionally in special in special planets throughout the cosmos and time and space. Azeroth. Azeroth is the last Titan. Besides Sargeras, none of the other Titans are alive anymore. When they died, and this is in Chronicle. So, if I'm spoiling this for you, I'm sorry. The book's been out for months. Read it. When the, when the Titans died fighting Sargeras, they slammed their essences into their primary watchers on the face of Azeroth. And the reason they did that is because Azeroth is the most powerful, like supposed, supposedly the most powerful Titan that's supposed to defeat the Void Lords, the, the ones that are sending the old gods through to our realm to try to corrupt everything and destroy, basically corrupt all existence. Azeroth is basically an egg, and it is sort of gestating the spirit and part of the reason why we're so keen on like and why, why like the well of eternity is such a thing the well of eternity is a spot where an old god was ripped out that's an open wound that leads to the center of the world it and you find out a lot more about that in the titan's involvement in what actually is going on and there's this big prophecy and at the end of mr pandaria where you give the heart of of Raden to uh why can i know rathian Rathian talks about this big event about rebuilding the final Titan. They've all forgotten. We have to go and do this thing. Well, when he says they all forgotten, that's because the Watchers didn't know that they had the essence of the Titans in them. The pillars of creation were lost, and these are what you need to sort of essentially wake up a Titan. That's why it's so important, and everything is centralized around the Broken Isles, which is the last remaining centerpiece of the original continent of the world. There's a lot of old lore here that they're cleaning up and trying to make into all these little things that we talked about. All these little snippets are all being turned into a cohesive story here. There's a lot of important stuff here if you're into the lore of Warcraft. Cool. So, yeah, and Azeroth is a Titan. And we have a theory that as that Elun isn't a god, but is actually like the manifestation of Azeroth's sort of personality from that open wound. Because the lore, you guys <laughs> liked a tinfoil hat. Well, a no, lot. because hold on a second. The story, <laughs> the story is, Elune presented herself as coming out of and back back into the well of eternity when it during the day and night cycle. So there, there's definitely a connection there. So the idea is that she's the manifestation of of Azeroth and that like the Emerald Dream is actually Azeroth's dream and the Nightmare is Azeroth's nightmare. There's a lot of cool correlations there. Hmm. Cool. Okay. 
Well, there is definitely a lot that's going to be done that's that sounds interesting. In terms of each of the the zones, uh, let's say comparing it to the zones in Warlords, are we talking about approximately the same length of time to complete or faster? Honestly, I think it takes longer than Warlords in a good way, not a bad way, because the story is throughout the entire zone. And when you complete the zone, there's a sense of accomplishment, but there's meat to it, right? And because it's not like Warlords or the other expansions where each zone had a level cap, so it was really boring. And once you hit that level cap, it was your incentive was to go to the next zone that's appropriate level, not necessarily finish the zone. Oh, God, yeah, yeah. Here, because they're scaling it, they were able to do more story-wise and give you incentive to actually complete all of the quests in a zone. So it does take longer, but if you care about the story, you can stay in one zone and you can level for a while. And I think you can get, I think it averages out to like two and a half levels per zone, something like that, uh, outside of any other influences. But it's cool because there's no pressure to leave. You can stay, you can do your quests, you can complete the story and then see how that ties into the bigger piece. And I, I think it's really well done. See, I'm hoping that there is going to be a larger storyline to, to follow and a lot less of the side quests. Because, I mean, that's pretty much what Warlords were. Certainly there were some big quests that were great, but holy crap in hell. It was, you spent all your time doing nothing but side quests. Well, it's hard to feel invested in a zone, in a people, a faction, or whatever. If all you're doing is killing ten rats or fetching whatever again. So... That was a problem that I felt with Warlords as well. I agree. And this is something that I think is an answer to that because I think they know that. And part of the problem with Warlords was it changed direction too many times. The team that was on it got pulled for other things. The writers got pulled for other games. And so the cohesive vision of it was lost. Legion has a – you can see this just by playing the game. Like comparing it to Warlords, it's night and day. It's a cohesive story from the beginning and from what they're doing with like the the patches. And Karazhan is a perfect example of this. And this ties uh, real quick and then I'll be done. Uh, But this ties back to the invasion stuff, because in the invasion stuff that's going on there throughout the weeks are requests that you were working with with Kagar to go and do certain key tasks. One of those things was going back to Karazhan. And there's this moment where the Legion invades Karazhan and Karazhan's always been one of those nebulous places be- that's been under Legion influence because, well, Medivh was corrupted. He had Sir Jarrus inside of him from the time he was born. And so not everything he did was his own controller and his own mindscape. And so they, they kind of touch on that. And you can see because they, they planted that seed already in the invasion. And then the first content patch that they're announcing is a returning to Karazhan. There's a, like already they're starting to show that they have an idea of where this story is going to go, where they want it to go. The order halls also allude to that, particularly the priest one, because after all the events of the priest one, and this goes back to, also ties into some of the comics that they released uh, on the website for free, where you're rebuilding the Exodar, like you're rebuilding the Exodar with the sole intent of going back to Argus and taking it back. Like, and these are these are not light things. These are things that you are working towards the entire the entire expansion of what I've seen so far. And as long as they keep that cohesive vision, this is going to be essentially an apology for Warlords as far as I'm concerned, story wise. But already off the bat, it's a lot more cohesive in story than the stupid zones we got in Warlords where everything was like this weird self-contained thing that didn't matter to the bigger story. 
everything here ties into the larger story. They're not that while they are partially self-contained, everything you do has an influence on the major story as far as like you're not doing it because, oh, I'm just happen to be here. And this guy's telling me to go kill 10 rats. It's I'm doing this for a purpose to get something to advance the regular story, to advance the main story. And that's also something that hasn't happened since Burning Crusade. See, right now, as I've said very many times over the weeks, I've been playing uh, a ton of, of uh, SWOTOR and and for months now I've been playing it. And I've been back in, in WoW again, though primarily just trying to make money to <laughs> pay for my membership and kind of doing a few odds and ends, but still nothing that thrilling or new in it. What I really liked with uh, Knights of the Fallen Empire was that return to storytelling that they made such a big deal about mm-hmm. beforehand yep. and how they, you were going to have these fantastic stories. And it spoiled me now because <laughs> it, it is no lie the the I've said it before and it's true. I, I finished the storyline for the expansion and now I'm just waiting for the extra chapter where I can play as HK. But each chapter, while not excessively long, I, I do wish they would have been some of them a little bit longer, but still each chapter was such a spectacular mode of storytelling they did such a great job. Now, this is Bioware, so they know how to do that. Mm-hmm. And they kind of lost their way for a little bit there, but they quickly got back on track. And and you feel amazing going through those storylines. And, and again, some of the most impactful scenes that I've seen in all of SWOTOR were in, in this expansion. So that's kind of spoiled me now because I'm... I'm worried that I won't get that in this, you know, and I really hope it will be similar to that where it is that grand, amazing storytelling device where it's not about go kill 10 rats. It is far more impactful what is happening and, and the stories are great. So again, I'm hopeful, but I'm a little worried at the same time. Well, the trick for for that here is going to be pacing. If, if they have a good pace and they release the content regularly, that's what we'll get. If they don't, then we're going to be stuck in that sort of rut where we're going to be waiting long lengths of time to, to get this information and get these stories. Like Sotor, I feel like not only do they do fantastic storytelling, but their pacing is good. Whereas they're releasing content fairly regularly as far as it goes. Like it's, it's reasonable, reasonable, uh, lengths of time as far as I'm as if I'm recalling correct me if I'm wrong yeah oh yeah yeah they were each chapter was coming out every month pretty much there was just one that was a little late that I know of yeah so but yeah. The, the the problem is is that like you're saying that it's going to be about how they they release content and there hasn't At been least enough partially. yeah there hasn't been enough indication showing that they have changed their structure in terms of how many people they have working on different things Warlords of Draenor was released in 2014, certainly November of 2014, but it was 2014. And when you look at how much content has come since then, it is laughable. Like you have people like myself who spent over a year not playing because there was fuck all to do in it. So I'm I'm hoping that's that's not going to happen here. So that's really 
really don't want that to happen. Oh yeah, because again, it's it's to the point where I am prepared to keep my membership going until I finish the content and then just drop it. And that's not what you want in an MMO. You want to retain your people. And I think that that Swotor, well, but th- th- I think that's that's you're making an interesting point. Maybe they're not so concerned about that anymore, and they want people to start. They understand there's going to be an ebb and flow a little bit, right? Maybe they're, that like some of the mechanic changes that they're making seem to indicate that, don't 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 you think? It does, but that's because they can afford it now with all their other IPs that are bringing in sure. so much money. So the problem with that mentality is, wow, is kind of not the top dog for them anymore in terms of money making that they can just well, well when content comes out people will come back and they'll play and then that'll be that as opposed to say bioware who are hungry for subscribers mm-hmm. and so give you a chapter a month and that's they're already talking about the next one coming out in the fall where it sounds like it's going to be very much the same thing well why not it worked out people loved it and got these fantastic stories every month so I I would like to see wow do something like that give us a reason to keep coming back and experiencing incredible things in your game instead of just eh, you'll be back in a couple of years you know and, and that's what I would like to see too and I'd like to see the content pace properly I'd like to see them use the mechanics they have for proper storytelling I mean let's be honest at 12 years old I mean even despite the fact that they never expected this game to last more than a couple of years it's still got legs and oh, you can God, still yeah. take it places yep. and it's still the definitive MMO as far as most people are concerned. Yep. Like don't waste. Don't get lazy. That. Yeah. Don't get lazy. Okay. Any other parting thoughts? Honestly, this is the most excited I've been for an expansion probably since Dude, Burning Crusade. You are always excited for new expansions. The only reason I'm giving you a little bit more credit here <laughs> is because you've been playing the beta so much. So I you actually hours in there. You've got the experience, so it's like okay, I'm going to give you a little bit more credit, but yeah, you get excited over all of them. So we will see, though. Anyways, it is launching at midnight tonight, so there's going to be a hell of a lot of people that are going to be either midnight ex- Cali- midnight uh, Pacific Standard Time. Yeah, so 3 a.m. our time. I'll be napping. Don't worry, I'll yeah. be I'll be getting up for it. Fuck that! I'm going to be sleeping, <laughs> <laughs> and I'm not calling in sick tomorrow. I'm not that excited about it. <laughs> But there's going to be a huge productivity drop tomorrow, I assure you. Oh, there's going to be the 72-hour bug in North America. Don't worry. Yeah. So, anyways, thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed it. Stop by the site at ForTheLore.com to give us your comments and thoughts on the expansion from what you have played if you did any of the pre-stuff and uh, and if you've did, done the uh, the Demon Hunter. Of course, you can find us on Twitter at For the Lore or individually, Joe's Lorders at J-I-M Zen Buddhist. Vince was not here tonight, as you may have noticed, and not because we were talking of WoW. <laughs> it was totally because we were talking about WoW. It was partially, I'm sure, but no, he, he just couldn't make it tonight. Leave us your thoughts and comments also on iTunes and Stitcher, and with that, we will see you guys next week. Thank you for listening to For the Lore. Each week, the show is broadcast live on Mondays at 7 p.m. Eastern. Stop by forthelore.com slash live to join the conversation and have your thoughts discussed on the show. If you'd like to hear more from the guys, check out Comic Book Informer, a weekly podcast from Vince and Roger, as well as Popcorn Ronin, a bi-weekly movie, TV, and anime podcast.